When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Welcome to Crunch Time. Brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Born to live. Half forward, get him and off the pack, read it well, it's curling back, it's coming oh. late, oh. it's bouncing through! Oh, Gittiman, how about that? I don't think when it left his boot, anyone thought that was going anywhere near the goals. 28 points up, Ruckman go to ground together, Adams released a hand pass to Lipinski, charged down, McCreary has a fresh go to Elliott to side bottom, he can get the kick away, unerring! Oh. Just so good from side bottom. He snaffles his seconds. And the pies are away. The struggle, Ginnivan couldn't quite. It bounces back for Josh Dacos. Oh, what a snap! Just a little reminder that he is the older brother. And he still has the famous name. To make it safe for Collingwood, Henry kicks and finishes his stirring last quarter. And ensures the Magpies win first up. And the siren sounds. And Craig McRae begins his coaching tenure with Collingwood in style. The new era begins on a Friday night with a frenetic but fantastic victory over the Saints. Oh, we're, we're, we're excited in the rooms that we, uh, we just reflected on the momentum swings of the, the early games and been able to capitalise when you had the momentum. and. Yeah, clearly tonight was a, a, an example of that. Um, yeah, we just love our fight and our spirit. We, we're trying to form a new DNA, if you like, and you know our fans come and watch us play. We, we want to we show them that we've got a little bit of fight in us. So um, not always going to go away, but we want to we make sure we show that. Craig McRae's Magpies make a thrilling first impression, giving Collingwood fans plenty to look forward to under the new regime, while defeat sits heavily over St Kilda's aspirations for the season. From Barassi stretches out the premiership flag of 2021. <laughs> How good is that? Brilliant sight. The flames fly, the demon faithful spirits soar. And the flag is before them. Stage cleared for Max Gorn. He's been methodical in everything he's done from walking up the race to the approach at goal. Wheels out to the right. Max gives it the lot. Oh, it's raucous at the G now. Melbourne fans about to celebrate in the stands. It has been a night of celebration for the Demons faithful. And at its climax, it's the first win in the Premiership defence. Melbourne get the better of the Bulldogs in the grand final rematch and prevail by 26 points. You've just got to let your man go. Doherty here. This is a big kick. They've got 4-7. They've got him on the ropes now. 
And they come from everywhere for the story of the year. Been a good game. In comes Martin for the lead. From outside 50, you're about to hear the roar. It's a signature win for, for the club. Um, you know, at some stage we'll put it in its place where it, where it belongs. Um, but uh, at this particular moment, it's a, a very important win for us. The footy has been exhilarating. The electrifying final quarter burst from the Blues saw Michael Voss return to the coach's box a winner, while Melbourne gave every aspirant a refresher of the standard that will be required. You've got the nerve to ask me a question and even be here. You've been preying on us the last two times. You barracked for Melbourne, Tom Morris. Your conflict of interest here is considerable. Your gutter journalism at the moment is killing out us and behind the scenes. I think we've probably done up. You're an embarrassment to what you do, mate. Well, I was stunned um, because the, he's departed from the normal coach's playbook, which is to is to not shine a light on those things. He's, he's admitted that there's... Um, information getting out of his own football club that he's not happy about. Virtually in a coach's position, you don't want any information, you want to control all the information in your football club and when you can't do it, it agitates you. Luke Beveridge went after Tom Morris in what I say was an unedifying fashion. It is an out-of-kilter response to a journalist who found out a player that wasn't going to, nothing else. I've reflected on my comments from the post-game press conference after last night's game and acknowledge that my exchange with Journalist Tom Morris overstepped the mark. I want to apologise for my behaviour. I want to apologise to Tom Morris and all those present last night. Officially, you shouldn't run on the ground, oh. but <laughs> it'd be a good look, wouldn't be it? Be good! Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Mm. Leave him alone and I, I, no, I can't endorse it, but it wouldn't. I'm it's just a big deal to have a thousand goals. Oh, absolutely. Who knows when it happens again. And... Buddy's quest to reach the 1,000 goal milestone. But do we actually want it to happen today? Plus all the issues from a troubling few days off the field. This is the round one edition of Crunch Time. Good morning from the Festival of Footy outside the MCG. Today the country game between Geelong and Essendon. We're positioned just near the working dogs. I wonder if we might send Kingy out for a bit of mustering before our two hours <laughs> is done. Crunch time is brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max is born to live. Jared Waitley with you. That guitar riff does it for me every year, initially as a listener and now as the wrangler. David King, welcome back to Crunch Time. Hey, good AG. Great to be back, Sammy. Hodgie, oh, looking forward to having a bit of fun, talking a bit of footy. It's back, Jared. It's back with a vengeance. It's been oh, three tremendous games. Yeah, this. Something about new coaches, you know, new ideas. They, they just, ref, you know, such, such a refreshing manner in which they play. They get boring after one year. They go back to all the old trades second year. I want first-year coaches every year. Let's give them one-year contracts, Jared. The most decorated player of his generation joins us on Crunch Time this year. Luke Hodge, welcome. Thank you. I was, I was the same as everyone else. I was keen to see the football and the three games that we've had so far, and especially the one last night. I think everyone, I've got a lot of Collingwood supporters, our friends that are supporters, and they just want to see what, what they're going to produce. And I reckon whether you're St Kilda or Collingwood walking away from last night, you'd walk away with some positive thoughts about your team. It's a high bar as to... Who feels more heady? Who's more giddy? The Carlton fans who filled the Melbourne air on <laughs> Thursday night in a manner that was 
absolutely uplifting or the spirits of the Magpie fans who just got a little taster. And it was a juicy taster. You've got to be excited for the Carlton supporters. They rock up every year on the Thursday to kick off the season and they walk away normally either getting belted or disappointed <laughs> after a big pre-season. This is our best pre-season ever. We're ready to take on the Tigers. Finally, finally they did it on Thursday night. And to watch the midfield, how they're able to flex and just overrun a powerful Richmond midfield, it was, it was good to see. A mate of mine, let's just call him Sellers, he texted me, <laughs> he texted me after the game and he said, no one beats us 12 times yes. in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's hilarious. It's good to have him back. He did a masterful job uh, manipulating them all yesterday morning, the Carlton fans. It's Collingwood's turn today. Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet on crunch time this year. Welcome back, Sam. I just got to say, Jared, how awesome it is to be here. How good footy, how good crowds. My mood was embodied by one of those new coaches, Craig McRae, going down last night and high five and the punters on the way out to the ground. <laughs> that's me at the moment. The concreter that's become the cult hero in Jack Hayes. Yep. The Dacos duo, the Blues, the Pies, Bombers and Cats today behind us. Traditional slot, couldn't ask for a better day. Awesome to be here. So crunch time always picks up the threads of Friday night. There, there is so much to play for. Is what, what would we glean first time out? We've heard a lot. and Craig McRae's been incredibly generous in what he shared. And we know why Justin Lepich was brought in. And then we got our look at it last night. Defensively sound... Wanting to score. How did you, how'd you come away thinking about the new iteration of Collingwood, Hodgie? Uh, the first part I saw was Pendlebury across half-back line. I'm thinking they want to get the in and under midfielders in close and let Pendles' style off the half-back line with his disposal and then match that with Howe and Moore. It just looked a really balanced team for me. Uh, they were able to intercept Mark from half-back and then just their attack. We knew, watching him in the pre-season games, that once they turned the ball over, they were going to be going straight at the opposition, straight into their face. And that's what we saw. But then I also saw late in the game where they were able to slow the tempo down, change that flick between going aggressive the whole time and then slowing it down just to take a little bit of life out of the, out of the clock just to refresh. The snore fest of Collingwood is, is gone, Jerry. Mm. They have been boring to watch for years. And, and people will come at me for that. And, and that's not a criticism of the coach. I think that when you, you coach what you've got, you coach the assets of, of what you've got, whether that be individual talent or or you think you're a better defensive model than offensive. They've, they haven't had a key power forward for a long time, so they've had to do it, do it differently. So let's just put that to the side and not... We're not going at Nathan Buckley. We're saying he's had to coach the way he had to. But to see them play with a real dare and an arrogance about their ball movement, to forward handball, to hit corridor, and you think, you know what? Forward line's not too bad. You know, Dugowie, everyone's talked about Dugowie through the off-season. This is why Jordan Dugowie plays AFL football and is a frontliner in our code because he wins your games. The other thing that really smacked me between the eyes was Nick Dacos. Ready to roll. Comes in and he's, he's not just playing half-back flank, he's playing it with, with purpose. And I just thought, it took me straight to the coach. So I've worked with Craig and everywhere Craig's been along the journey, he's been a winner. And he talks a language at this football club that they haven't talked for a while. Every day is a day we come to win. What are we winning with today? What are you doing at training to make yourself better? It's about development, but it's not development in a we're back to ground zero development. It's a this is where we are now. How do we get to how do we get to that next step? How do we go that next you know bit up next rung up the ladder if you like? So I think it's really refreshing to hear these these young coaches speak and to and to not just be coming in and coaching defence. 
Couldn't agree more. And I think as a spectator's point of view, that's what we want to see. We want to see goals scored by turnovers and going quick. And if you spoke about playing to their talent they've got on the park, if you look at their forward line, if you're going to move the ball slow when you've got Elliot to go down there, hmm. they're fast, agile, quick players who, when the ball gets moved quickly... They, uh, they're more effective. It's a seismic change for the elder statesman, isn't it? And let's, listening to Scotty Pendlebury last night, when, when everything in his body must be screaming, shut it down, control the ball, they want to maintain that chaos ball, don't they? So when you went, Hodgie, from Clarko for so long, like Pendles has done with Bucks for so long, up to Chris Fagan, was there a, a big difference? As big, This sounds like it's a seismic difference at Collingwood. Yeah, Fagan's been under Clarko for that long, so a lot of things were similar. The DNA um, so was the I understood, yeah. and especially me working with Fakes for so long, so I understood what he thought about football, how he wanted the game played, how he wanted his team to play. Mm-hmm. It would have been a big change for Pendles after having well, Mick for a few years, Bucks for 10, I think it was, and then this new style. So I reckon it would have been all of them, but on the flip side, it's also a breath of fresh air. You've got something different. As, a, as, a, as an older person, he can mm-hmm. sit on the half-back line, he can see the game unfold, and he can go at his own pace. I wasn't surprised when uh, when push come to shove in the last quarter. He went into the guts. <laughs> who, who, who did he say? Yes. There was no, there was no doubt right. about it. When, you, when you've got a gun like that in your team, who's, what's he had, 13 top three finishes no. at Collingwood, when push comes to shove, you're going to put him in the middle, and that's what he did. He had a few clearances, and he just composed along there. But um, no doubt next week they're going to start, and he's going to be on the half-back line until they need him to flex like in the, the old, again. The break glass in case of emergency in, uh, in Flyers coaches' box, isn't it? Nick Dacos has been one of the more foretold footballers in my time following the game, maybe since Nick Revolt. Um, he just arrived with the lazy 27 last night out of half-back. And there are a couple of times where he bit off more than a first gamer normally would. (laughs) And he paid the price for that. But didn't he look like he belonged? Yeah. He had to put up with everything, Jared. So he made the first error of the game. He cost the first goal of the game. And you thought, this will be interesting. And they come for him. The Saints went after him, you know, physically just to, to try and mentally disintegrate the young man, just try and break him early. I think that shows how much respect that St Kilda have for him. If that was a, any other young fella coming in and he made that mistake, you might have one person go out and push him. St Kilda made a, a, a clear focus that they wanted about 10 people to go and let him know the mistake. But then what did you see from his Collingwood teammates? Yeah, well, they rallied. They, they know the importance of, of, of the young fella to them. So they say, OK, we've got to stick up for him. Taylor Adams was probably the number one. That's no surprise. <laughs> Flag flyer for the young fella. So I just thought to be able to gather as a young player and then go and do what you do. So the, the, the possessions are the possessions. But it's the mindset that you love. The, 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 the kick through the corridor, the, the forward handball, the, the, the one-twos. He, 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 he gives it and he wants it back. Like, it's just, it's just a different state of mind. He knows he's very good. He's been a very good junior. He's been an elite junior right through his days. He's been waiting for AFL football. I think he got bored with under-18 football, and we said this during the draft draft night. So to see him at halfback doesn't surprise me. So he's get, he got a couple opportunities in the, mid, in the true midfield last night at centre bounce, but he'll, he'll do most of his damage across halfback. And that's why these two young guns, and we can't wait to see Jason Horn francis tomorrow, he'll do his work across half-forward and true midfield. So to balance up these two, and we talk, we've called them Bone Crusher and our Waverly Star, yeah. they're going to be like that all year in terms of the rising August. star. August. August, Jared. That was when Collingwood committed to him on a four-year deal. August yeah. as the father-son. Four Although years. Nathan Buckley said in the last preseason, if he was on yeah. the list, he would have been playing round one last year. I actually think he's gone out like Bo Rogue. <laughs> he's gone out. Don't ruin my story, Jared. You, you threw Dandy Andy in last week. Uh, Oliver Henry. So he was... A pivotal figure in the last quarter. He 
he gave up the goal, or he was the, the, the he made the error that had St Kilda hit the front, and then he seemed to take that very personally, mm. and he imposed himself on the. He was the most likely man up forward thereafter. So, Hodge, you come with me a little bit. So dig a little bit deeper, Jared. These young players have been able to put significant errors, and they know they're playing Friday night footy, right? They've been waiting months for this, mm. this game to come around. To be able to just say, okay, that moment's gone and go to the next, it has to come from the coaching support that you get. It has to be talked about. It has to be schooled. It has to be trained. Put that behind you. We can't change that. Next action. Next action. And I think... I think they all played like that. I mean, you can go through the whole team. When you play with such freedom, everyone gets a chance to shine. Not for the whole game, but, but when their moments arrive, you get contributors. Now, I made the comment last night that, that it's very difficult to work out who's your absolute best on ground. And when I, when I see that, and you can nominate names. I'm not saying give me some names. They had a great spread. But when that happens, I think your, your, your structural game and your ball movement game and all those sorts of things, Oji, are in great order. Yeah, without it out, and going back to what you said about young fellas being able to move on, that comes to every session. If you're making skill errors, that comes to your leaders, to your coaches, to say, I want you to keep making those errors because the only way that you're going to become a really good player and, and in time you're got to, not going to make those mistakes. So it, it says a lot about Collingwood and the coaching mindset just to go and play. Play with freedom. And if you make mistakes, we're happy for you guys to make some mistakes, mm. but we want you to play with this brand of football. And, and the brand that they play, you're going to turn the ball over. It's just common knowledge. When you're going to move the ball that fast, at times you're going to make mistakes. But as you said, for him to, to move on, for Dacos to continue, even though he made that first mistake, and, and as you said, Henry, late in the game, kicking two goals, having 10 touches, it was good signs for him. And to go his presidents and influence. So there was a time in November when it looked long odds that he would be there in round one. The, the argument was compellingly made that for a new coach and a new regime, this was the moment to plant your flag and sit him for a long period of time. He was, uh, he was banned from the club for a period. And then he was brought back. I wonder if they got the same result with a different approach than we might have imagined on the outside. Well, the first port of call for most people on the outside is sack him. That, that, that's the starting point. That I've, I've worked that out over the last 18 months. We started sack him, or the, the, the 80% of the, the vocal majority, they, they started sack him. The 20% go with support. And how do we, how do we still punish the player for the action but support the person and they've done it perfectly and in the end Jared it's about it's about not losing your standards but making making sure you're winning games of football this guy is a high priced commodity because he just wins your games of football when the game's in the balance he did two or three things last night that 95% of AFL players can't do and that left foot goal I mean how many how many could don't, don't smile I think you're good <laughs> alright 94% of players <laughs> couldn't do it. But you know what I'm saying, Hodge. He was involved in 12 scores last night. They only scored 27 times. He's, he's a significant player, Jared. And, and if, he, if he continues on this path without disappointing them off-field, his worth just goes through the roof. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That, they put him in the middle to have an impact. He gets the first kick out going forward. And then he's able to push forward. So they've got that flexibility with him. But no matter where he plays, he's going to be dangerous. So if you're in the midfield, you're keeping an eye on him because he's, he's one of those bulls that can break through and get clearances. But then he goes and rests up forward. And he'll take the best defender because of what he can do, whether he takes a big mark, kicks a goal, as you said. But he, he makes things happen around him. 
I don't have scar tissue with Geordie. That was the quote of the press conference for mine. So Craig McRae's been willing to say, what's happened in the past? People can judge him on that. Oh, I'm not. I'm only judging him on my experiences with the, with the man. So it's a clean slate for him. He's out of contract at the end of the year. He wants to stay. But with Kingy, as long as it keeps on going in this trajectory, it'll look after itself. And he'd be so happy with those comments. As a, as a player who's made a few errors in the past, a new mm. coach coming in saying, hey, mate, what you have done in the past, I don't care. That's in the past. Well, what I'm going to judge you on is what you, how you treat me and how you play with your players from now on. That's probably why he's had the preseason. He hasn't he come back and had that impact because he knows he's got no baggage on him with this, with this new coach. Got a great demeanour about him, doesn't he, Fly? But you could tell last night already the questions are wearing a little bit thin with Jordan Dugowie, and it's round one. So that'll be interesting for a, for a guy who hasn't done a lot of media historically. He's been almost invisible coming in, holds himself so well. The ongoing obsession and fascination with Jordan Dugowie will be interesting. The other thing we've got to, you've got to put on the table, so everyone's really keen to compare this Collingwood with last year's Collingwood, Buckley versus McRae. It's impossible to do that, so I think we've got to stop doing that. And I've, I do feel like that's getting to Nathan a little bit, that that constant conversation of having to say, oh, but I did try and do this. Oh, no, but I didn't have this guy. Taylor Adams in this team, as a clearance beast, just makes everything work. They don't have to reach for other players to elevate to become a clearance midfielder. I think he had 11 or 12 clearances last night. He, he was unbelievable. So so the pieces that Craig's working with are different to what's been there historically. Do, do you think that there's a, a thirst to say, well, Bucks couldn't do this? Uh, there might be, but it would be misguided. Yeah. Uh, so this is the whole purpose of what Collingwood wanted last year. They wanted change. And it wasn't really about the individuals anymore. They just wanted a fresh start. Mm. And they've got that. They've got it. That, that beautiful embrace at the end last night, mm. Craig McRae and Justin Lepich. And then Jeremy Howe came over and gave McRae a hug. And there's a bit of a height disparity there. And McRae <laughs> lifted him up off the ground. And he, you can, that, that only comes with renewal. And th- th- just those scenes at the end. And it is why it's important to get the win early, to validate the work. Now, what it does to the horizon, that's subjective for the time being. And in six or eight weeks, we'll get a, a guide on that. But the, the, the uplift, the, the spiritual and emotional uplift that comes with winning at the start rather than having to wait six weeks through the grind as you try to put it all together, I, I think it's immeasurable. Hmm. One, one thing that caught my eye, and I love these stories. We've spoken about Henry. We've spoken about Dacos. Lipinski. Mm. Yeah. I, I love when recruiters see someone who they think from another team they can bring in and have an impact. He started the game sensationally last night, finished with 30 touches, but it's also good for him. He'd been sitting as a Bulldog supporter. He wasn't getting a game. He, he wanted to develop his own career and put it, he, I think he said after the game, he wanted to put it in his own hands and, and do what he needs to. So he made the call to leave the team that he supported as a kid to go across to Collingwood. And for him to, to come out to have a 30, kick a goal and have an impact straight away, it's, uh, it's great to see. So we revel with the winners. The other side of the coin in a moment's time. It had been framed that if St Kilda wanted to meet its ambitions and return to the eight, is this was the sort of game they just had to be winning. At times they were plain. Uh, they made their run, but as soon as they hit the front, they had no answer to what Collingwood brought. Next on Crunch Time, what does what did we learn about the Saints? You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. It's born to live. You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Born to live. It was was pretty frustrating, actually. Um, You know, we we didn't handle Collingwood's pressure uh, early in the game, and 
that allowed them to sort of fuel their appetite to you know, keep doing that. And um, we coughed the ball up and we gave the ball back um, when we should have absorbed that pressure and probably didn't apply the same tackling pressure that they did as well. So full credit to them. But it wasn't like we didn't know it was coming. Um, you know, their, their pressure numbers through the uh, community series and, and in their pre-season game against Hawthorne was very high. So, But it was just some of our inability to complete our plays, miss, you know, missed targets when we've got no no pressure or minimal pressure on the players and that was a big disappointment. It's um you know, we've been solid for the last couple of years in the skill. Um, I think two thousand twenty were really good. We completed a lot of plays and that gave us, you know, good scoring power and that but yeah, we've been inconsistent probably in the last 12 months in that space, so we're working hard. Um, and the last part was probably centre bounces. When when we did get some, you know, opportunity or dominance in the in the game, we just gave up a centre bounce goal where they kicked 5-2 out of centre bounce from 14 entries. Brett Ratton, his summation of St Kilda's night, which ends in defeat. You're on crunch time, Luke Hodge and David King. What did you think of the Saints, Hodgie? Oh, you could see as Rat sat down with uh, with the press conference how much pain and frustration was um, in his face. And then once he started talking, he relaxed a little bit. But he's 100% right. They, they had so many opportunities to take control and win the game. If it wasn't for a few fumbles, um, I thought Memory and King got their hands to a lot of balls early and couldn't quite bring down the marks, which would have gave them scoring opportunities. And they both missed a couple easy set shots uh, in the second half. But but that's footy. But he's right. They they played enough of an attacking brand to give themselves opportunities, but it was just that polish. And we know going inside forward 50, if you can't finish off all the work that you've done up the field, more, more often than not, and what we saw from Collingwood is they'll turn the ball over and go fast back at your face. And, and I spoke to Rats before the game, and he, he knew that was coming. He knew that if they turned the ball over, Collingwood would come on quick at him and hard straight towards the other end. I'm confused with St Kilda and we've sort of been down this path with this plan before. So for the first half, I didn't think there was any great point of difference, any real dare, anything you go, oh well that's who they're going to be. When their pressure's, when their pressure's on, they're a capable AFL team. But when their pressure drops fractionally, they get picked apart too easy. They have way too many players finish forward of a contest before the contest is won. We've talked about this for two or three years now. That's a fraudulent model. You, you, you cannot finish forward of the contest. Never leave your wingman's, the old Top Gun saying, Jared. <laughs> as soon as you allow the opposition to outnumber you at the contest, you're in trouble, Hodgie. And what we've learned, so the first three games, we've only had three games. The team that wins contested footy have won the game. The team that wins inside 50s have won the game. So you're going to leak defensively in bursts, in, in patches. So don't worry too much about defensive numbers. It's not about protecting your defensive 50 at the moment because that's, that's not a key indicator over the first three games. But supply and contest will always be the dominant indicators. St Kilda are nowhere near that. They're nowhere near winning contest and they only lost it by, by a, a few. But if they lose them heavily in patches and they bleed so easily when they do. That, that's my concern with them. And that might be harsh this early in the year and I know they're down to manpower. But manpower doesn't stop your finishing forward of the, of the contest. Is that any alibi at all? So just going through it. Billings, Clark, Ryder, Caulfield, Zach Jones. Well, Hanabry's hardly played anyway, but he's sidelined too. So is that any sort of alibi for St Kilda last night? Or is it more about the method? Well, they're pretty important names. Yes, Hanabry hasn't played much the last couple of years, but the other the other guys have had a fair impact over last. And, and I thought um, Jones last year was really mm. good at that in and under stuff for them. So there's no doubt that 
has an impact. But I think Kingy's right. There was a few times there where I, I saw, I thought Gresham was really good at times, kicked some goals, had an impact. But he was one of those players that, as a high half forward, could shoot past the contest. And his man would stay at the contest, outnumber, and then off they'd go. So it's about, yes, there's a time to run past the contest. It's when you've got numbers at front and square and you take that risk. But there was too many times that the high half forwards were shooting past. Mm. And it was like a Russian roulette. If we win it, I'm getting a shot on goal. If they win it, then it's going back up the other end. And unfortunately enough, they didn't win it enough. But, but I've shown that vision at this stage of the year last year. We, we've, done, we've done this dance. So they, they must know, when they see it, it's either not, it's not adjusted, it's not, uh, it's not on the Room for Improvements tape on a Monday, it's not stamped out of this group. So we see it again in round one, and, and those names help. Talent can fix everything. Hmm. But, but you're talking about round one gives us like type versus like type. We're seeing pretty much that the, the, these St Kilda and Collingwood are fighting for a, a, a bottom position in the eight. We all, we all think. So when you lose these games, th- there's got to be alarm bells. I know it's only round one, but, but this, is, this is the beauty of this, this roster or this, this fixture that we've come up with. So what would you, what would you say about St Kilda that you, could, that you can bank on and say that is our brand? Well, so where's the upside? Gresham's clearly upside, improvement in King. But then you look at the rest. Is there an obvious, is there a plethora of upside there that, j- that hits you in the face at St Kilda, King? Well, I think... This is where I keep coming back. Sorry, I keep coming back to structure. Structure allows role players to just play their roles, and 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 you, you put the heavy you put the heavy loads on the guys that can do the heavy lifting. You know, Jack Steele and Crouch, and and you you, you ask for Gresham to do more. You ask for Marshall to be a star. You ask for Max King to stop being a nearly player and actually complete your marks and kick your goals. You know, take the take the group. You know, the rising tide lifts all ships. If they can do, ships, if they can do that, then you're away. But to me, when you when you lack a bit of structure. It gets, it gets hard for all those smaller pieces of the puzzle to play their role. That's why I reckon Paddy Wright is so important to their structure. It allows Marshall, who's actually a capable forward when he's down there, but Paddy takes that extra defender as well as away just so King can get his run and jump, Memory can get as well, and we all know Paddy can kick a goal himself. So he's a lot... Even though, what's he now, 34, 35? Yes, that's, that hasn't that, gone that's, long <laughs> left, no, does no, it? But that's hopefully that will give King time to develop. But getting him back in, it just helps them up that forward line. So there's no more drop-offs. I know how and I know more wouldn't have been dropping off as much or floating across if you had another Paddy right up there who's taking and making them more accountable. So round one is it's glorious for overreactions, which I absolutely think we should encourage. It's also notorious <laughs> for misreads, but it is hard to sit here this morning feeling optimistic about St Kilda. Well, you're almost asking for change after four quarters of footy. And, and that's, that's a concern. And you can bring some of those names in. Clearly, they're going to help because they'll, they'll be able to assess the game. They'll make the right moves at the right times. But I'm just looking for, for the structural side of the game. So we said before about Collingwood, every player down that, that list of 22 had their time to, do, to perform an action for the team, which they've done. Some asked to do more, some asked to do less. If you look down St Kilda's list, you're saying, OK, gee, the, the young fella Hayes was absolutely fantastic. He kicks three. So going into the game, you say, Hayes is going to kick three tonight. Yeah, yeah. And, and, Ten and marks. he'd be best on ground. Yeah. You go, well, really? Jeez, well, we must win by six. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you, you've sort of had that sort of bob up. Gresham was, was really good, really does some exciting things. Jack Steele's Jack Steele. Um, and then you start to think, OK, well, Membry kicks three. Membry was terrific last night. So you're sort of thinking they've got a lot of good things happening, but it's not it's not the full pie. So Jack Hayes 
Jared Healy and commentary likened it to the arrival of Carl Dittrich. Just <laughs> such an, Dittrich. an amazing figure within the game. There was the moment in the third quarter <laughs> yeah. when he'd already kicked three and he was he was totally gassed. Like, I've never seen a player more exhausted <laughs> stuck on the field. He starts to run to the bench. They desperately signal him to go back because the ball's yeah. going forward. So he starts to go back and there's the ball hanging in midair. So what does he do? He marks it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just such a... That was the joyful part of the night for St Kilda fans. It was just sort of so yep. magnificently preposterous. And we'd spoken to David Rath in the pregame, and he said, so, lump of a lad, best on ground in the Sandford Grand Final. Once he arrives here, you go, nah, he's coming onto the list, and we're playing him. Well, we're going to have to find out when Paddy Ryder comes back. How are they going to play them all? So that's a, that's a headache for them. To, <laughs> They'll be to playing. They'll, They'll have be to play. play him. They'll be playing him. Someone who can come in and... There was a few things that we noticed early well, that you sort of looked at and go, he's, he can play. When he got the free kick against... Uh, the free kick in the run contest early, he went back and it was, only, it was an easy sort of goal. It was 20 metres out. You'd expect him to kick it. But his motion to kick the ball, kicking through the ball from that close where a lot of first gamers hesitate, it just looked perfect. And then... I think when he kicked his second one, it was, it was exactly the same. It was a bit further out, went back, and it was just a fluent motion. And then he goes and takes those marks and goes into the ruck, and yes, he's undersized and he competes, but what I loved about it was his family. Having the crowd back oh. at the football, yeah, you the miss so squad, much. The cheer know. squad had a good time last having, night. Having first gamers play in front of a big crowd, having a bloke who's 26 come across from Adelaide and bring over 20 of his mates and family, <laughs> yeah. and I reckon they drank the MCG out of uh, Eddie, uh, Marvel Stadium out of beers last night. <laughs> they were up and about. They there was were. beers thrown everywhere. He, it was just something that was refreshing to see, and I reckon recruiters are going to start to look more into state league players more often because... What we've found out with junior competitions the last two years is they've played very little football. We spoke about Dacos, how he averaged 36, but he only played a handful of games because of how many games were cancelled. There's so many of these hazes that are running around, whether it's in Perth or Adelaide, that have been have had two years of full-on football. Um, and I, I just hope the recruiters continue to go look for it because when you see a bloke who's 26 who makes his debut and has an impact like that, you wonder what other gems are sitting around the countryside. On the concreting, on the work site, when James Gallagher rings him out of the blue. He's only signed a couple of weeks ago to St Kilda, 26 years of age. Where's he been? How has he not they're, been they're here there. before? Uh, this is, I've argued this for years. Yep. The, the guys that get drafted in the top 20 picks of the draft are generally, they're elite, right? Top 30, say. They're elite. And there's a gap between those players and the rest. But the guys that are drafted 30-plus compared to the guns at the next level down, the next competition's down, the gaps between, that, that's incredibly minimal. And this is why the SSP is one of the great additions to the game. Keep the window open until the eve of the season. Otherwise, there is no Jack Hayes So how night. does he get on the list? So tell us the mechanics of that. Can well, he... he's added during the supplemental selection period, yeah. uh, as he was, because the Saints had a vacancy on their list. They can fill it with this signing. Comes across the rookie, eligible to play so straight how, away. So how does he stay on? Is, is... Well, if he keeps doing what he's doing, that'll so, be a fait accompli. So with, you know, with Ryder coming back... You're saying no, they have to... Stay, no, he stays on the list. Stays on the list. Yep. His ability to play? Yes. Eligible. Okay. So that, that's changed. That, that's I just the, meant the mechanics of how it would look in the 22 right. and what they okay. would do about so that. It, but it, if I was right. his manager, I'd be ringing up St Kilda <laughs> and I'd be saying, Extension give us a two-year deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who can come on and... Four. But he's, but he's so flexible. <laughs> 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 Managers start at four. Didn't you watch the doco? <laughs> come back from five. Yeah. But for anyone who can come in and, and play, look, he played a hard position. Like, you look at a centre-half forward who can go into the ruck and undersized. That's a tough position, but he made his opportunity. He converted. The, the Jared, you spoke before where he took that mark when he was trying to come off. Just before that, he outnumbered. He got a tackle and he won the ball back. That's why you're so gassed, because he had a two or three yeah. effort 
and then he goes and takes that intercept mark. Can, can he carry that haircut long term in the NFL? <laughs> I'm thinking 26 year olds probably shouldn't be having those. I thought he was 20 when I first saw him with that, that kind of haircut. Hey, but it worked for him, and the crowd seemed to love it. There's a bit of freedom with haircuts at the moment, Jerry. But <laughs> you have to talk about centre bounces at, okay. at a different yep. stage. It is it's never been more critical to win centre bounces because of the ability to score. Six 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 has clearly been a focus of the off season for clubs this this preseason. So, yeah, they got smashed. I think it was what is it? There, thirty two points to eight. Goals out the front are a thrilling side in the game. If yeah. that's the carryover from last year's grand final, then it's going to be such a part of 2022. We'll work our way back through Thursday night and Friday night. Then to the key issues. The two coaches from today's country game are going to join us. Ben Rutten, ahead of the first game for the Bombers, and Chris Scott. So that's in the second hour of Crunch Time, which is brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. It's born to live. You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the three-liter Isuzu D-Max and extraordinary seven-seat MUX. We've steadily had moments um, where the belief's been slowly building. You, you can see it amongst the group in, in what we're playing and the style we want to play at. And um, but you don't you don't get the next level until you, you win games like that. And uh, um, I, I can't ignore. As I said, we had to own that part of the story about what's happened in the past and feel like when you own it and you accept it, um, that's where your lessons are learnt. And, um, we've gone to work hard on that. The guys are really hungry. Um, and so to be able to win tonight, it's, a, you know, it's, it's one win, but it's a, it's a really important one for us. It prompted euphoria on Thursday night. As it turned out, that was an ailing Michael Voss because the next morning he was testing positive to COVID. So he won't be there for their second assignment, which Sam Edmonds, um, what a what a remarkable postscript. Jack Martin misses as well at the moment, Jerry. Now, touch base with Carlton earlier. At the moment, that's where it starts and ends. But clearly, they're on alert down there. So Ash Hansen will coach against his old side, the Western Bulldogs. So Michael Voss has taken it all in his stride, though. And, and look, as he does with most most things. It's business as usual. He sent a group message to all the players yesterday, all the staff, all the coaches. We carry on as normal. Ash Hansen runs the show, I'm told, during the week anyway. But come game day Thursday against the Western Bulldogs, I wonder if they'll just have him on the beep, 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 beep on the old uh, Zoom or something, coaching by correspondence, Jared. <laughs> Definitely. Carlton can't take a trick. The they what? finally win the first game of the year code, for them, and then they, they lose their coach to COVID. <laughs> I know, I know. Beep, beep, beep. And, and look, Sam Walsh a chance to play as well, just while we're covering off Is the he? Blues. And Bontempelli a chance to miss. Pretty sore with that ankle. So we'll see. There might be a bit... I, I'm reticent to talk about Western Bulldogs and selection, but that's a conversation <laughs> for later in the program. Have the Blues. So what do you want to take out of it that, that's real? Well, I think you have to be in awe of what they've done as a, as, a, as a midfield. Not only have they recruited seriously well and I think George Hewitt is, is, is an unsung hero as an acquisition you know he, he has the 28 touches he makes the right decisions at the right time he supports when he, he doesn't leave early he supports when he has to he's a classic Sydney Swan style player that fits into any midfield it's just plug and play and what he's been able to do is free up Paddy Cripps a little bit more we saw Paddy get most of his ball forward of centre um, Chera was always going to be a top line performer for them you know they've given up a bit to get him and Matt Kennedy is in serious form. He's had a great preseason, and they just took control of the game. I mean, the game w- was in the balance for a fair while there. Um, Richmond started really well, and you thought, "Oh, here we go again." You know, this is going to be the same old story. But they rallied. They, they found a way. And, and I thought the the biggest feature of their game for me is their ability to forward handball out of stoppage. It's not just take territory; it's maintain the rage, maintain damage. You know, get a deep entry if you can. And this is exactly what we're talking about with the structural side of the game. They've got every all the right pieces in the right places now. 
Um, good targets forward of centre. That, that didn't actually have very good nights, but they just they just were good targets. Um, I think they got one goal between De Conning, Mackay, and the other two in Kerno. Yep. So they didn't get anything out of those guys, and the midfielders kicked all the goals. So it was it was a dominant performance from the midfield. It was, and that's where I think I spoke about Lipinski getting targeted. Carlton knew that Paddy Cripps needed help. Like he, he was a he was shouldering a lot of the load for a number of years, and people were saying that it was all revolving around him. So they targeted. They went and got Hewitt, a bigger body. They went and got Chera. They went and got Kennedy. Blokes who can find the ball just so Paddy doesn't have to go and get 40. Yes, Paddy still found a lot of the ball, but it was a lot of those other guys, Kennedy and, and Hewitt, just doing all the bolt work in, inside. So then Paddy could get some on the outside as well. So I love the fact that they realised that they had a not a flaw, but they needed an area of improvement. They targeted these guys and they've come straight in and had an impact straight away. Cripps is going to roar back into a top five player in the competition this year. Oh, I was absolutely of that view coming in. He finally looks like he's free and able. And I, he'd been that, that miles on the clock. I never subscribed to that. He, he was hurt. He was banged up because he was injured. Now he's not. Watch him go about his work. Physios are happy. Least 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 tape they've had to use down there at Carlton for ages. But that's the budget's thing. been freed up. That's the thing with the good players. You look at Lockie Neal last year at the Lions. Should have played in a lot of the games that he did. If you look at Paddy Cripps, because he's such a warrior, he'll push through injuries, and because of the people around him weren't playing either, he fought through so many injuries. And to see him run around like he did, and as free as you said, it, it's it's. Carlton supporters are sitting back going, yes, we've lost our coach with COVID, but our midfield is up and about. And the way that they flexed against Richmond, like Richmond are known for that hard, bullocking pressure. Well, the clearances last night, Kingy, they dominated. They him in the end. It was 17-2 in the last quarter. I've never seen, That's never seen domination like that. Was it 34? 34 last 40 minutes inside 50s. Amazing. Inside 50s, yep. yeah. And, and that's... Yeah, you, you look at the, the changes that they've made. So they want to be a forward-half team. So if they can win that first clearance, the centre clearance, or the next one after, and get it in, there's a lot of Port Adelaide about them. Lock it in. Really good pressure players. I'm a massive fan of Durden. And I know that we don't talk enough about small forwards who hardly touch the ball. But Owies is another one. Get their moment. They, they, finish, they finish with goals. Um, so I, I'm really, really thrilled with what they, what they do with the ball. And then without it, I know McGovern didn't have a big night. But he just looks he just looks set across half back and his ball he's a bit like Jeremy Howe. He, he's as good as he is with the ball coming in to intercept, but on the way out, you get a quality ball user as well. It's very rare that you get both those commodities. Oh, completely struck by Matt Kennedy. I cannot believe the resuscitation in his career. Now Hugh Greenwood was poached by North Melbourne over the off season because he was delisted with a plan to be relisted. The exact same thing happened with Matt Kennedy a year prior. He was delisted and re-rookied. How Carlton must look back on that moment and think, thank God another club didn't come in and offer him a lot on because he would have been gone. Yeah. Incredible resurgence yeah. in his career. The Richmond side of the equation, there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of things that defined them last year that were there. Ill discipline, didn't run the game out, so you wouldn't want to go too early. But as someone who was absolutely bullish on Richmond, there are a couple of things that oh, I thought those would have been resolved. Yeah, it was a, a kick in the prunes to the Richmond supporters, Jerry, and the Richmond fans like us. We've been strong on them, haven't yeah, we? We've yeah. been really I bullish. I feel much less bullish now than oh, I did. You've well, you known to jump off quick, Jared. We know that. <laughs> I think that the Dion Prestier injury Huge. Is not just, was not just a loss at clearance, but there was an emotional attachment to him going down again. You know, you, you know what it's like when you lose one of your, your prime-moving midfielders who's played... Nine games both of the last two years. To see him go down, it's, 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 it's destroying. While the other mob 
having Sam Doherty go forward and kick a goal, and they're through the roof with emotion. It was just a you know ships in the night stuff. So, so I'm not off, but I am watching Whoa. the hostess say these are where the exits are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I think you're in an exit row. Are they illuminated? <laughs> How many seats from the exit am I? Okay, I'm, I'm now, now I'm alert. <laughs> Especially with Rewald as well. Rewald hurt his thumb out for three weeks. He hasn't seen that part of the plane for about 15 years. <laughs> but the Presti one's a big one. I said he started the game really well. Uh, Rewald injured. But the the thing that's caught my eye towards last year as well is that contested football. They haven't been able to win the contested football. And the same happened Thursday night. Yeah. We spoke about the clearance or not. But Carlton just looked too big and strong for them. And unfortunately for Richmond, that was that was a strength of theirs, being able to pressure teams and turn the ball over. They just didn't have that last year. That's why they missed the eight. And they've continued on this year. What was your biggest takeout out of Melbourne and, and the Bulldogs? Oh, I, I was concerned for Melbourne when I watched them against Carlton in the preseason. The undisciplined side of things, the laconic nature of their first half. And then in the second half when they flexed a little bit and... Sort of showed Carlton that, hey, these, this is the team. And then get, you get to round one and Petraka goes and does what he does. Um, I'm tipping next time the Bulldogs play Melbourne, they might have someone run a little bit closely to Petraka. So Brenton Sanderson's got this lovely tag, the cooler. Not a tagger, but just a cooler. Could we have a cooler go to Petrarca just for a little bit? I'd be having a tagger go to He's had 39 and kick two in the granny and then had an ice chest. An ice chest might be required. (laughs) So can we have this discussion a bit deeper? Okay, so to start with a tagger minute one is is a risk, isn't it? Because you give up so much. Everyone says, oh, structurally, or we give up structurally. You can't train for a whole preseason and say, by the way, they're better than us here and what we've been training won't work. So now we have to go and tag this guy and tag that guy and negate this guy. So you can't you can't go away from fundamentally who you are. So you've got to back your troops for a period. So in the first 20 minutes of the game, Petrarca has nine disposals, one clearance, three score involvement. So good start, not not a massive start, and the, and the D's lead by 27 points. The next 20 minutes, so they're still not tagging him. In the next 20 minutes, the dog's midfield takes control. They win clearances 10-4, and they kick eight goals, one to zero. So are you supposed to be tagging him in that period? Because if you are, you're not getting that. You're giving up something at clearance. So for the first 40 minutes, where do you sit? Because the dogs lead by four goals. Yep. That's 40 minutes in. So everyone that says, oh, you just got to tag him, that's a nonsense. You've got, you got to have finger on the pulse in game. And you may, you may tag, and I've heard you talk about this with Craig Jennings, the, the uh, Pareto principle... <laughs> that 20% of your players do 80% of the damage. Yeah, yeah. There comes a point in the game where you say, hey, if we're going to win this game, we've got to stop him, and maybe you go to him then. Yeah. But but you're not going to get a 22-point lead if you're tagging Petrarca with those midfield numbers. And, and Bevo would have spoke about the grand final the year before. when they The same thing happened. Melbourne got out to a big start, and then the doggies fought back. They won some ball around the stoppage, they pushed forward, and they played some good football. But the only thing is there's a 50-point turnaround from halfway through the second quarter to the end of the game. At that stage, Petraka did... He, he pushed forward, he kicked some goals. And you, you may have to say, you don't have to be the tag, as you said, but just be aware of him. You can't let him push forward because he hits the scoreboard as well. So to quote you, back to you, Kingy. <laughs> don't, they got, don't get beaten by what you know. <laughs> and Christian Petraka must have haunted a few of their dreams and they got beaten by, by what, what they, they knew. knew. All right. We're on crunch I hate, time. I hate working with you. Luke Hodge <laughs> and David King <laughs> with the issues. The two coaches this afternoon are going to join us, Ben Rutten and Chris Scott. We're at the Country Festival. Come see us. We're just near the Working Dogs. This is Crunch Time brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Is born to live. Welcome to Crunch Time. 
Brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the three-liter Isuzu D-Max and extraordinary seven-seat MUX. Three games into the fresh season. So much to discuss. Spirits soaring, prospects diving, overreacting being done everywhere. It's crunch time. Brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max is born to live. We're watching Essendon and Geelong fans arrive at the MCG on the most glorious Saturday afternoon. The country festival is set up. The work, the working dogs uh, are going. Do we think our working dog in front of us is just a fraction undisciplined? <laughs> Has he got a little bit of Luke Hodge to him? <laughs> oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Luke Hodge and David King alongside <laughs> Sam Edmund and Jared Waitley. We're going to talk to Ben Rutten, the Essendon coach, and Chris Scott, the Geelong coach, in the next 40 minutes or so, as well as chew over the issues, which frankly have been troubling through the opening days of the season. I just saw a man describing what a forequarter is and what a, where, the rib, where the chops come from on a sheep over there to a couple of young kids, Jerry. That's not the idea of country days. There's a live stage out the back <laughs> pumping out some music. So it's a terrific atmosphere. I, I sort of feel like this is the bit of round one that was under-told. I don't know how many people knew this festival was... People were suddenly alerted to there's no car parking. Well, why? Well, it turns out because this had all been set up for you, but I'm not quite sure the message was fully conveyed to footy fans to get here early and soak it up on our return to footy. Well, I don't know how, because Gil McLaughlin was like a politician on the campaign trail in the lead-up to the season, Jared. He must have done at least seven press conferences. I think I was at six. And they were rallying the troops, weren't they? But I think just while we're on the subject, the crowds may be just a fraction down on what we might have hoped for, certainly no, no, Wednesday night, Thursday. Not a fraction Thursday. down. Like, like, that's a really generous interpretation. They're a long way down. <laughs> well, I'm a generous person. Yeah, so that... The ambition. What for did you game, think for for Wednesday? The ambition for game one was ninety thousand, which then got drawn down to eighty thousand, which was then said it was going to be seventy three thousand, and it finished at eight fifty eight thousand. Yep. So that's missing by a big margin. No, I think ninety was always wild. No, ambition. well it was, but the idea was that there was this incredible thirst to return to the game, and that we were ready as a community. And it still might have missed a bit of the hesitancy that needs to be overcome. So Thursday night, it felt like the bar was 80,000 and it landed 72,000. And then last night, no one would hear of less than 45,000. It was 40,000. Mm -hmm. So this does, there's a few dynamics, I think, at play. The obstacles for footy fans that have been, uh, haven't been smoothed over. And that's everything from barcodes yep. to ticketing, transport. to car parking, to public transport. And then there's this additional dynamic is if you did come, you're not having a great experience. That, that's Catering. really the feedback. Yep. And those in charge are now telling us, well, you have to understand. But you go, no, 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 you told us all to come back to the footy. You didn't actually warn people that, by the way, we're, this, we're really Business as usual, here. we're told. Yeah. So it hasn't been... That they needed that cultural movement because I think that, that COVID reticence is still there in the community. It's yep. playing out in front of us. We, we have, as a people, we have to overcome it. My, I was confused when they did the festival of football here because if you're telling people who are, after the last two years of what they've missed out on, they're hesitant to go on public transport, people will be feeling more safer to drive in. But if you're driving in, you can't park at the MCG. That was my confusion with it. I love the idea of what they're trying to do. But if you're trying to make people's trip to the football easier, easiest things to drive in, park at the G, then walk in. You're not in contact with other people unless the people you sit next to, that's normally family or friends. That was the confusing thing for me. You know, you want to fix it, Jared? You get Carlton to beat Richmond on <laughs> Thursday night. That'll be another 20,000 next week. They'll come from everywhere, the Blues fans. 
We're sitting with one right now. He's he, settle down. Well, no, a good he, a good he, Carlton, he a good Collingwood, now. a good yeah. Carlton, a Essendon. good Collingwood. Essendon potentially win today. Yeah. That is a big. We, we need the big clubs, yeah. but that's the football side of things. Yeah. and no. I do think it, it it ignores two years worth of scar. Well, habits frankly. have changed too, though, yeah. haven't so they? So there, there was uh, that survey in the lead up to the season that had hardcore footy fans, twenty six percent less likely to go to the game than previously that they were happy to now watch on television. I've got kids doing university at home. Like, it's hard to it's hard to say on a Saturday, hey, go to the footy. And that's my whole point. So so we, we're sort of out of step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. So you have to reignite the rituals and the passions and you have to do everything possible for your customer. And it's a full state, There though. have been bumps. But I don't think that'll change until the state changes. We've yeah. got to, you get back to uni, then you, be, you join normal life Gee, they've, again. they've tried, though. They've sold the message as hard as they could possibly sell at the AFL. And uh, the round one record from 2017 was referenced at least mm. 401,000 times on its own. We're not going to get that record, are we, in round no, one? No, no. And that relied on the people responding to the messaging. Mm. So in there is... is a, this is a really hard phase. Just the well, COVID no one's interruption in the city. is so real at the moment. No, no one's in the city. No, no one's living a normal life at the moment. So you, it's it's... Lunacy to think that all of a sudden you're going to get maximum crowds when no one else is going to the city for work. They're not mixing and talking footy. Hey, after work Friday night, we'll go, we'll go and have a couple of beers and we'll go to the footy. That's generally what, how you arrive at the footy yeah. or, or things happen, things evolve. We're not, we're not living our normal lives. No, and habits have changed. Yeah. Like we've forgotten what it is to do a few of those things. Ho- hopefully, hopefully people sit back and a lot of... You know what people are like, I'll let him go and do it first, and then I'll follow. So hopefully people sit back watching the people that have rocked up. They've seen excellent games of football. We've seen Carlton Collingwood win. Hopefully the people at home are sitting back going, oh, hang on, I didn't watch round one. I just want to see how it's going to unfold. People have gone. They've had fun. They've been excited. I might bring the family next week. Yeah, except they haven't had a great experience, and that message is, is filtering back as well. So the footy's been exhilarating, but being at the ground has been hard. That, that's what the rank and yep. file are saying. 600-odd. Somewhere between six and 800 strong staff shortage, they reckon, at the MCG at the moment. So anecdotally, a lot of people waiting a quarter to get a beer, for example, can't get, uh, can't get um, any sort of food or beverage at the game. So Bring back the BYO, you reckon, until they get the staff back? Bring oh, the thermos bring back. Bring, oh, I'm, not saying bring really the hip flask. I'm not saying bring the hip flask in at all. But so there you go, getting through the gate with the esky. <laughs> Hasn't been a great week for our sports media industry, I don't think. Um, maybe the Luke Beverage side of things first. Uh, the, the press conference, much discussed. The next day came the unreserved apologies, some restitution. The Bulldogs reimposed their values. Has Is that fully resolved? I think so. I, I, personally, I look at I, coaches lose it. And being in a footy club, you, you've seen a coach lose his marbles and, and, and lose his temper at times. And, and a lot of the time they lose it. They apologise the next day to a player, to another coach, because at the heat of the moment, you're emotionally invested and you care so much about your club and your, and your team. Bevo was angry because inside information got leaked out and, and he vented at the wrong person. He should have went to the person who leaked it out and lost his temper at him. He vented at the wrong people in front of cameras and that, that's why it, why it came out. His most frustrating thing for there is coaches hate anything that gets leaked uh, for, for a reason. They have certain plans, they have certain tactics. And for that to get leaked out three or four days before, a couple of days before round one, um, that, that, that's why his blood was boiling. But did he generate a crisis for his own club unnecessarily? Is it that big of a deal that that, that, that gets out? Uh, that no, a player's it, it, not it's, playing? It's not so much. So when you, when you go into a football club, it's what happens in these yep. four walls you stay. So whether if we have an argument as teammates or if the coach tells someone off, that doesn't leave 
you don't go home, you don't tell your wife, you don't go home, you don't tell your friends, especially a selection issue, because he might have been doing it as a tactic, or they reckon there, there's certain things that coaches do things. And if Hunter had uh, been dropped for discipline reasons, he, was, he might have been trying to protect him. You, you just don't know with, with all that kind of stuff. That's why they want things to stay in-house. And as soon as one little thing gets leaked out, coaches hate that. And you can sort of see the passion that Bevo went with it. What, what did it tell us about the Luke Beveridge mindset, which I think is probably now more interesting yeah. now that the issue itself is resolved? That's where, I'm, that's where I sit. He, 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 you can't bully people at press conferences like that. We, we know that. He made, a, he made an error. He made a mistake. He's put his hand up. We move on. Can't happen again. He, he, has, to, he has to be on his best behaviour for a little while, and that, that's, just, that's just his lot for a while. But it, it does tell you the, the, the pressure at the dogs at the moment. It does let you in a little bit that things aren't um, plain sailing. They're not as smooth as they should be. And maybe it is a bit harder to come back from a, a, a hammering from the grand final. We've seen teams you know, get, get clipped in, in, in the recent uh, past, recent history, and they haven't fronted up the next year. Is, is he concerned about that? Is he thinking, gee, this is not working. I've got injuries. I've, I've got one target forward to centre and that's it. I've got the best midfielder in the comp looks banged up now. He, he, you know, you're saying he may miss next week. So all these pressures are getting to him. Clearly, if you if you like that at a at half an hour after a game, you're still not composed enough to just tick that off. That's a, that's a tick off press conference. Move on, move on, move on. You know, you, you've got credits in the bank. You've just been to a grand final. There's no need to be so tense about that half hour or that chat. So. I think and it's a, I think it's a look he was in. Prepared to manipulate selection during the week, mm. which is um, that that that's such odd behaviour. I think so to be so influenced by the outside as to mess around with what you're doing internally yeah. and what that might have looked like to the player involved and to the players more broadly. So what are we doing in, inside so club he said that We're doing this. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's not really how clubs say they operate. It's, it? it's not. It's not how. It, it, and it, it probably shows you the power that he's got at the footy club that no one walks in and says, hey, what are you doing? Hey, hey, what, what, this is not us. This is not how we run as a business. Um, as a side issue and totally a side issue, I think the AFL have got a role to play here. I think if you select your team, that's your team. And it has to be extraordinary circumstances for that 22 to change. It's a nonsense that uh, the teams change so regularly close to the game. I find this incredibly frustrating. I find it, I find it belittling for the fan. Ultimately, it's your fans that are going on along to watch the Western Bulldogs play. Why should they be guessing who's playing? It wouldn't happen, wouldn't happen in America. If you're going to involve gambling and these sorts of things on football games... Have the integrity of selection. So my view on Thursday morning, the Bulldogs had to live the values they espouse, and soon after, Fox Sports had to live the values they espouse. Now, you and I, Kingy, are employed by Fox Sports. We're long-term colleagues of Tom Morris. Once, once his conversation from a WhatsApp group was made public, that was irredeemable, and all eyes turned to an organisation who have another employee, completely unbeknownst to her belittled in such a way her experience over the past 48 hours I wouldn't even pretend but it must have been awful it's a time to listen and learn from those who live these experiences who have written expansively and spoken but those of us who don't live it as to why it matters and what the environment looks like so once it runs its course I will say that the men in charge of Fox footy acted more decisively appropriately and proportionally 
than those who run the country when they have been faced with such issues in Canberra. So has our sports media changed? Absolutely. The evidence of that is how the 24 hours played out and that the, the person who said what they said has been sacked from the organisation and the priority is the well-being of a long-term and valued employee who through no knowledge of her own had been slighted in such a way. And can we just state unequivocally that they're totally separate events? There's a rush to, to pick a side as well. He's right, he's wrong, I'm with him, I'm, no, I'm with him. It's okay to be appalled and disappointed equally with both. There doesn't have to be a winner here, Jared. Is that at the end of the day, both men were in the wrong. Both have made mistakes. Clearly, Tom Morris released a statement last night, a horrific one, um, and he says that he's unconditionally apologising to everyone for what he calls his disgusting and disgraceful comments. So there's no winners at the end of the day, and it's okay to be outraged by both. Yeah, and he has paid with his job, which is as high a toll as there is, mm. and those who are entrusted to um, improve at the organisation that we work for held up their end of what they're trying to achieve. This is clearly a challenge in every workplace around Australia. As I say, I don't think our political leaders have been anywhere near as decisive as our leaders in the sports industry have been in the past 24 hours. And hopefully that does improve the environment incrementally over time for those who live it and who will tell us why it's not a safe environment, why it's an intimidating environment, why it's not a welcoming environment, separate to the experiences that we have as as white men. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Jared. And, and in a strange way, and, and I'm a friend of Tom's, and he's he's mortified with what he's done, and, and he's apologised unreservedly, and, and it's unacceptable. But you're right, the, 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 the greater gain... For, for society is to show the way. And I think that, that that's happened. We, we work with some fantastic women uh, who are doing some, some unbelievable things and their work ethic and, and, and they are valued members of our organisation and they've been shown that, I think, clearly for everyone to see this is, this is who we are. We're going to lead the way. I think it's been strong. It's been swift. A lot of people challenging those on the periphery. I know, Sam, you got hammered. I got hammered during the week. The decisions hadn't been made then. So I think it's... Uh, it's happened quickly. It's, it's just an awful set of circumstances that you hope you never see again. And the, the cultural change, the societal change, is that that smutty conversation between guys in their mid-20s is that over time we eradicate that as a community, that we, we teach ourselves and we teach our younger men that that's not acceptable. Mm. And that's at every walk of life. That That is not unique to footy. It's not unique to the media. That is every walk of life. And it's a challenge for all of us every day. And to listen and to learn from those who live the experience and as they write, rather than get your back up, which I think there's a reaction, is don't absorb it and understand what the reality looks like, mm. why these incidents matter. And then equally is once they are acted upon, did it improve the landscape? And I will argue, I'll say it once more, is our media leaders have been more decisive, more proportional, more appropriate than our political leaders have been when they have been confronted with similar circumstances. Our Power Corps Country Festival today. Celebrate Country Victoria at the MCG. It's Geelong and Essendon inside at the MCG. That's where we find Ben Rutten, the Bombers coach. Ben, it's great to have you on Crunch Time. Welcome. Hi, good day, Jared. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm curious, just in the hours ahead of a season starting, do you get a little bit edgy? <laughs> yeah, look, it's, um, it's about to drive in here to the, the MCG on a sunny autumn day. It's just fantastic. And to be playing um, Saturday afternoon against against the Cats today, is, um, yeah, it's awesome. It certainly gets the butterflies going and you know, it's going to be fantastic to be back here in front of a big crowd again. Have you... Uh, are you confident in all that you've done to ready yourself for this, notwithstanding there's a couple of critical absences that I'm sure you you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have forecast as you first contemplated round one? Yeah, look, I think so. I mean, it, we've been um, training and, and working pretty hard at our game, and, and uh, you know, today's a we understand that probably most teams aren't going to be at their absolute best in round one, but um, you know, we, we're really confident that we're well prepared and um, you know, going to be able to give ourselves a good show today. And you know, I think our, our, our season will improve as, the, as, um, as it goes on, and, um, but we're really excited. We've got um, three new faces in, in, a, in the um, red and black today, and you know, we're looking forward to, to see what they can do to contribute to us getting better and, and evolving over the season. Ben, good luck today and good luck for the rest of the season. We're talking about the first game coaches or the guys that are back in the coaching, Craig McRae and, and obviously Michael Voss over the last couple of days, playing with a real freedom. The, the first-year coach mindset or the, the new coach mindset versus a guy that's been in the job for a couple of years, mm. you've had second year. Please tell me you're going to keep that way you played <laughs> last year as the prime model again in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, hopefully. I mean, we, we've got a really young uh, kind of group of guys that are really enthusiastic, and I don't want to, um, you know, coach that freedom and that uh, that flair out of them, that's for sure. So, yeah, hopefully we can continue to build on some of that stuff we did last year, and, um, yeah, I certainly want us to play with some real freedom and flair and um, play to our strengths. I mean, that's exactly uh, the type of the style of game that we want to do. Where do the scores come from? I'm looking forward to centre and it's, you know, Stringer's not there. You, you've pretty much got Peter Wright as your prime target again. You, you've been hampered by a little bit of injury right on the, the eve of the season. You will have to play with some freedom to, to ensure that you continue to score. Yeah, look, that's right. I mean, probably uh, you know, Jakey Stringer and, and Waller are the obvious ones out and the, you know, on the eve of the season, as you spoke about, we had Jonesy and Aaron Francis not quite come up for this week. So um, the guys that we got up there have done full pre-seasons working together, so they've, uh, they're really well prepared. Yes, they haven't played a heap of uh, AFL footy together. We've got Kane Baldwin up there, who's a, who's a big, strong key position player, but, but he's playing his first game. And, um, yeah, but we're really uh, confident in what, what we can do as a whole team. I mean, we're not relying just on our forward line to be able to do our scoring. We, um, we, you know, our whole the way we attack is um, you know, going to be the key to how we score and we want to make sure we've got a, a good even spread of avenues to goal and um, you know, part of that is creating some goals out through contests, through ground level but um, you know, hoping our big guys can take some marks as well. Ben, uh, Darcy Parrish, good, uh, good country boy, he really set the scene last year with his, with his consistent play and had a really good season. What's he done over the pre-season to take his game to the next level? Yeah, look, it was, a, it was an awesome season from Darcy last year and a real, a real breakout season that I think we all thought that Darcy had in him and you know, for him to do that um, over the course of last season was fantastic and he got a lot of confidence out of that and you know, he's really maturing as a, as a leader of our football club as well. So he's continuing to under, understand that um, you know, and we, we certainly want to build his game in and around stoppages in the contest. But... Uh, with a more availability of our players, with Shield and Caldwell, and um, you know Nick Martin playing his first game, 
guys like that, it's about him understanding about how he can have a greater impact on, on supporting the teammates around him as well. It's probably, probably where he can continue to grow. What did you take out of the pre-season game against St Kilda? What areas did you need to tweak coming into round one? Yeah, like I thought that was a really important game for us. I mean, I, I thought we started pretty average. You know, our, um, our pressure was down. We weren't kind of hunting and winning the football uh, in that first quarter. But kind of I was, I was pleased with the way we responded after quarter time and especially after half time where I think we created a lot of opportunities. We, we weren't able to convert them into goals. But, um, you know, we walked away from that thinking that that was a really, really important good hit out for us. And, um, you yeah, know, we just want to make sure we start well and we've got to... We understand the quality of opposition we're up against today, and um, no, I think it'll be fantastic. I think we're really looking forward to uh, settling into our game, and um, yeah, hopefully, you know, getting a good result against a great opposition. Ben, Sam, Edmund here. Appreciate your time. You mentioned Waller, Anthony McDonald, Tip, and Woody. Is he? He's been back at the club for a few weeks now. Personal issues. Who know he's trying to work through. Of course, is he close to perhaps VFL selection? Where's he at? Yeah, look, we're working. We're certainly working towards that. Um, I don't think we'll see him at AFL level through the through the early parts of the season, but he's certainly on a in a good, happy place. He's on that journey back to to playing some VFL footy, hopefully in the next few weeks. So um, that'll be really, really exciting to see for all Bombers fans. I know they're I know they're keen to see him out there, just as I am. And Jake Stringer in the groin, obviously, was really, really close. But you're erring on the side of caution there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's just unfortunate with his timing of that. He's um, it's probably the last five weeks he's been um, pretty interrupted for him for, with, with his prep. So um, just given the the you know the fact that it's round one and we're we're preparing for a uh, 25 week season, that we want to make sure that when we get Jakey back, it's it's not just for because it's round one. We actually want to make mm. sure that he's fit and firing for the entirety of the season. And um, you know, as, as I said, we've got other guys who are really fit and, and done done nearly full pre-season so we're confident with the guys that we're putting out there. Ben, they're almost the two scariest magnets in football when you have to put your magnets up against Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron in the same forward line that you've got to combat. Do you, do you have an idea on what would be a break even? What would be a, a pass mark in terms of what you can negate from those two guys and how will you look to attack them today? Yeah, you're right. That's a pretty formidable uh, looking forward line and and when Dangerfield drifts up there as well, that doesn't make it any easier for the opposition <laughs> coach. But uh, no, certainly it's uh, we understand that they're, they're real threats. And if, if we can try and limit the amount of uh, genuine one-on-ones they get in the forward 50, I think that's going to be a really important part of the game. And um, part of it is about stopping the ball getting in there as much and, and certainly with some free-flowing footy. Um, it's also about our other defenders being able to you know, negate their opponents and there'll be some opportunities where we can get off and support. But there is also some opportunities where we're just going to need our, our key backs to go to work. And um, if we can halve some of those contests, it's going to be a really important factor of the game. So, so will, you, will you play, just sort of hit read between the lines here, will you play a fraction slower so that you don't avail those one-on-ones if you turn the ball over? Oh, look, it's a little bit dependent on the game. And we, we certainly don't want to go uh, play a really slow, boring, dour style of footy. I mean, that's not, that's not the... The skill set of our guys, I think we've got some really attacking uh, flair within our, our playing group and we want to encourage that. Uh, we're certainly aware of some of Geelong's strengths, but we're certainly not um, changing a whole game to be able to negate them. So 
there'll be times where we do need to go slow and we want to build the ball up, uh, but there'll be other times, I'm sure, where we're going fast because we want to get some one-on-ones um, in our forward line as well because yeah, we understand a real big strength of Geelong's is their ability to intercept mark and, and be able to create a spare um, in our forward line. So we want to try and limit that as much as we can as well. And the overall picture as we walk into the fresh season, Ben McMoulthouse thinks you're ready to win the flag. The president's really clear that this is the development phase to set up the sustained run at things in a couple of years' time. In your eyes, what's at the core of the 2022 campaign? Oh, look, I just, I just want our, our guys to continue to improve and continue to look for opportunities where they can continue to grow individually and as a group and um, you know I've been I've been pretty open in the past to our players but also publicly that I don't want to put any ceilings on the on the growth and the development of our group because I feel like there's a real uh, there's a real appetite and there's a real uh, capacity within our playing group and um, we want to try and create an environment for them to be the best they can be as quickly as possible so um, as I said I, I think over the course of this year we'll continue to get better and better and evolve just like every team will but um, you know, I think with you know, kind of the profile of our playing group, I think there's some real upside and um, hopefully we, we get some really um, exciting footy starting today. Best of luck with the journey ahead, Ben. Great to have you on today. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate the support. Ben Rutten, the Essendon coach, Powercore Country Festival, celebrate country footy at the MCG. You couldn't get a better day to play. i tell you one for the romantics, Jared. Kane Baldwin, isn't it? Yeah. Two Ricos overlooked in the draft. What a great story that is. Can't wait to see him out there today. How many they kick between them, Jared? Cameron and well, Hawkins. Actually, I just ran the maths. You said this is a 25-week season, and that ticks winning a final because that puts them in a semi. <laughs> 22, 23 rounds <laughs> plus two. Essendon will win in the final. Crunch time for the Isuzu oh. D-Max. It's born to lose. Delete the Twitter account. You're listening to Crunch Time. Brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Born to live. That guitar riff is unmistakably crunch time. Our first sitting for 2022 at the MCG. Plenty of you coming over to say hello, Bombers and Cats fans who are arriving at our temple down the road. It's got a beautiful country feel to it as well. Powercore Country Festival. Celebrate Country Victoria at the MCG. Shortly, the Geelong coach is going to join us. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmonds, Luke Hodge and David King. That The Geelong perspective, Kingy, where we just left our conversation. So those two up front. If you're the defensive coach at Essendon... Ooh. What are you planning around and for? Well, this is the beauty. We're just yep. Hodge and I were just saying you've, you've got to play quick if you're wrestling because it's Peter Ride or Bust as, as a as a tall target in in that front half. So to get something out of the smalls, the ball's got to get in there really quick. But if you go really quick and turn it over, you leave Hawkins and Cameron and Dangerfield one-on-one with their opponents at the other end. So it's, it, you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. That's what, I'd be I'd be getting their defenders to run. Cameron and Hawkins are both quality players, but when their energy's up, that's when they're most efficient. And Cameron, he's got a big tank. He'll be able to work up and down, but we all know that Fords only want to run when they want to run. <laughs> if, if you've got a defender playing on them, drag him out. So at least that way, if you do turn the ball over, they've got to make a decision. Is Hawkins going to stay deep? 
and call your, call your bluff? Or is he going to work up with you? So then when they boys turned over, he's not in a position to kick goals. <laughs> what a glorious note of disparagement yeah. to the forwards that oh, you played yeah. with. I, I, I think I that's that magnificent. With, I yeah. meant that with so much respect when I said that, yeah, Jared. It didn't sound that way, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I apologise to all the forwards out there. No, but that, that, that's how I would counteract them. They're both quality forwards who kick a lot of goals. The defender has to make him ask questions of himself. Are they willing to work up to the 60 metre line and then work back to get back in there rather than just stay deep inside Ford 50? So, as you said, if Essendon are going to go quick, they're going to turn the ball over at times. They're going to be in their prime spot of being 25 metres out straight in front. Make him do something. The Cats coach, Chris Scott, is with us ahead of this afternoon's game at the MCG. Chris, great to have you on Crunch Time. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Hello, everyone. Have you watched the first three games of the season? Have you absorbed it all, taken it in, or have you just tried to push it away a little and focus on your first assignments? No, no, it's always good fun watching the first uh, few games of the year. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't there in person. I would have liked to have been, but a bit of a stretch for me uh, in Geelong with everything else going on. But I just thought, I thought the standard of footy was really high. That's that's what we're expecting from Essendon today, um, and. You know, backing in that the work we've done and the little tweaks we've made to our game style, um, you know, will be on full show. That my observation generally is that the first round shows a little bit of rust, but I, but I think the standard's been really high. And to see a couple of your former teammates, one returning to the coach's box, one there for the first time, have wins first up. Uh, did you enjoy that for them? I did. I really did. Yeah. Hopefully, it continues for the ex Lions boys today. Um, but <laughs> clearly, they've done a good job. Just having a look through the, the last few games, Scotty, and the one thing that is still stacking up is winning contested footy. So the three victors so far this weekend have, have held sway at getting hands on the ball in contest. You've made a, sort of a slight change. You're going to give some younger players that first opportunity in the midfield for, for greater periods in 2022. You see the first three games, do you think, hang on, I might revert back to where I've been. Does it make you change your thoughts at all? No, we always knew that would be uh, the case at the games. I don't think the game, unless they completely change the rules, the game's never going to veer too far from the importance of, of the contest. Um, you know, I was interested to hear your comments about Essendon you know, needing to play a bit faster without Jones and without uh, Stringer and the targets there. I, I suspect it might be a bit of an up-and-back game, up and back game um, early, um, which, you know, given the heat and the conditions, is, is going to make it pretty taxing um so there's always that balance of um moving the ball fast and you know getting the ball in quickly to your forwards but but also prioritizing the contest so um what what we i guess if you were to summarize what we've tried to do over the pre-season it would be just take a step back and have a look at the the strengths of our team and work most of the time on maximizing that and maybe just focus a little bit less on trying to mitigate um our perceived weaknesses Talk about the strengths of your team. We were talking to Ben Rutten before, and we said about Hawkins and Cameron up forward, and then he goes, oh, occasionally when Danger goes down there too, he's all right. Question for you. How much time at match committee has spoken about Paddy Dangerfield, whether he plays midfield and getting that drive and clearance and, and power out of the stoppage compared to his ability to play forward? And, and there's not many defenders who can go with him. Speaking from experience, he was probably one of the toughest people that I've ever played on in, in the Ford 50. Um, how much time has it taken up in that decision? It's a really interesting question, Hodgie. I think the coaches talk a lot about it, but in the end, I think the person that has the most say in that call is Pat himself. Uh, and that's, I haven't really changed that much in my sort of 10, 11 years at the Cats. Um, 
in that way of thinking. If you go back to my previous comments about maximising our strength, so I've always considered, even back when I was playing, that you don't just have a coaching group acting like a school teacher talking to the students. You've got pros who are experts in their field and, and what they feel in the game should trump what we feel in the box with the air conditioning pumped up. So what we see most of the time from Pat is based off conversations that, that he and I and the other coaches have during the week where we see the game potentially going, what the opposition looks like, and then really empower him to make that call. So really our, our kind of conversation is if he feels like he wants to play more forward, how do we make sure we complement that? By him going forward, it doesn't compromise other parts of the structure. As a, uh, as a defender, I'd prefer to see him further up the ground. <laughs> the further you can get him away from goals, as a defender point of view, the better. Just taking from the, uh, the Gold Coast game, what did you take out uh, to that game? Because it obviously didn't go uh, the way it was planned. No, we didn't play very well. It was, a, as you know well now, Hodgie, um, that weather um, at that time of year up in, yep. in um, Queensland really makes it a, a wet weather game. So it was a, it was a difficult game for um, key forwards. We would have liked some of our... Um, taller guys to play a bit better but we also got smacked up around the contest against a side that handled the slippery ball much much better than, than we did so we, we could we're a bit critical of ourselves after that performance but I guess the positives are the training effect was really high we half expected that playing in the Gold Coast would be a good thing given we're playing at 2.10 on a Saturday afternoon and the weather's been what we you know kind of had, had planned for a little bit you know if it's if it's 17 degrees where you don't need to worry about it. What you do need to plan for is if it's going to be 28 and sunny, which it is. So um, we thought the physical prep was good, but it showed that our, the tweaks in our game style have still got a fair way to go. Chris, Sam Edmund here. Appreciate your time, mate. And I'm sure you're sick of this topic. But I, am I right in saying the contract is signed, sealed, but not quite delivered? Uh, I'm not sick of it. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I was... Um, I was committed to the Cats. Um, I mean, in my mind, but I wasn't telling too many people, but I, I, was, I was committed a long way before um, the end of last season. But we had a new CEO coming in, um, mm. and I sort of wanted to work through my own process, which is completely different to the, you know, the legalities of it all. Um, it's not unusual for me to agree to a contract and not sign it until six months later, but um, it's as locked in as it can possibly be. Um, and maybe ask Craig Kelly whether um, he's got off the golf course to sort the rest out. <laughs> so, and look, without going into the real nitty-gritties of it, Chris, it's obviously, as has been reported, I'm assuming, three more years through to the end of 25? Uh, yeah, Steve Hawking said that publicly a couple of yep. times. I wouldn't personally, but because I, I think that's just private. Um, but the, uh, yeah, to the what is it? Yeah, some, 25, somewhere around there. Tyson Stengel, I mean, to what degree, you know, just coming back to matters on field, is he not the missing piece, but I guess a missing piece? You know, that, that player that you've, from the outside looking in, seemingly been after for a long time, an influential, pressuring, goal-kicking small forward. Yeah, we, we have a lot of confidence in, in our small forwards. We've got some young guys that um, have, have been really good for us over the last um, few years, Myers and Close. Unfortunately, we don't have Grind today. Um, but what those guys are elite runners and, and that's sort of a little bit of a hint as to why we've shifted a little bit um, in the way we've played. We think our, our running profile is different to, to what it has been sort of in previous years. 
Um, but we didn't feel like we had that um, stay-at-home sort of out-and-out crumbing small forward who, you know, on a good day could kick three or four. And it was, it was nice to see against good, a good defensive system in Richmond in our first practice game uh, that, that Tyson kicked for. He's going to have days where it's not going to fall for him. But, yeah, we, we just thought he was a player that we didn't quite have. Chris, I'm just curious on the, the COVID front. So yesterday we got the example, Michael Voss coaches, wins, and then tests positive the next morning, and he's out for the seven days, misses the next game. How much of the reality is just living on tenterhooks, waiting for a call or a text to say, oh, by the way, uh, you're not going to have this player today? It makes for... Um, I heard you talked about how much time we spend in match committee talking about Dangerfield. We spend more time... Uh, planning contingencies for um, you know players uh, coming out with not only COVID stuff, but and, you know another example is the rigidity of the concussion protocol. Um, Jed Buse is not playing today um, after an incident, the Monday Gold Coast game, so a second practice game, um, and the 12-day protocol meant he was going to be right to play, but because of a really minor issue, he had to go back to the start and is unavailable. So that was unexpected. Um, but just the sort of stuff you've got to deal with. So uh, we, we wouldn't... We're hoping it doesn't happen again, but the, the challenges of the last couple of years have, I think has helped people, not just inside the industry, but outside as well, realise that uh, we actually can... We, we don't need um, all our ducks in a row to perform well. You know, you can still perform when a spanner gets thrown in the work. And, Chris, we finished with Ben Rutten just on one of the big picture to set the journey up for 2022. How are you feeling about what lies in store with the sense of renewal in your coaching staff? And I take it from what I've been reading and listening to, the, the optimism that, uh, that you're harbouring coming to the fresh campaign. Yeah, Jared, I'm always nervous at this time of year. It's been the same way since uh, 2011. Um, and that's the nature of coaching. You spend so much time thinking about what you can change and, and generally when things are flying you don't need to change too much uh, it's just when things are going wrong you need to be ready um, you know with the with with the levers to pull so that sort of can lead to a little bit of a pessimistic um, uh, mindset going into games but across the whole pre-season it's not just our coaching staff it's Steve Hocking coming in as well we've, we've just tried to remind each other uh, we've got some players that other uh, coaching groups would love to coach uh, and let's really embrace what they can do. We think our experience is a strength. They understand when we play poorly, that will be reframed as a weakness. But even if we play poorly across the first month, we're not going to tip our, our changes um, upside down. We're, we're going to double down on what we're trying to do and fact that over time we'll get it right. Terrific, Chris. Uh, good luck here this afternoon. Yes. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Geelong coach Chris Scott with us for Power Core Country Festival. Celebrate country of victoria at the mcg in, in all the teams that we're looking to to see what's changed is geelong pretty high up there on your list no i don't think a lot will change I, I really don't and not a lot has to change they just need two or three players to to lift 30 percent and, and stengel might be one of those guys their full squad their full complement on the park in a final are a 50 50 bet against most team, against all other teams haven't we been promised more adventure more dare, more yeah. speed. Do you think it'll happen? But you obviously don't. No, I don't. And why would you change it too radically from what you know works?
They've won 15-plus home and away games every year for, for a decade. Why would you risk losing that? As a, as a Especially it's been a grand final prelim yep. the last two years. So all this is a few tweaks, maybe a, a little bit more risk here and there with the ball, but you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be making massive changes like yep. what you've seen with Collingwood. Luke Hodge, David King with you. You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max is born to live. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.